Welcome to The Crunch with Crib Creative. I'm Jess, and each week we're going to be diving into the stories of some of Perth's best agents and business people, how they got where they are, and what they learned along the way. Averaging one sale a week for 19 years is no mean feat, but that is exactly what Todd Utley from Peered Real Estate has managed to accomplish. Teaming up with his wife, Danielle, Todd dominates his pocket of Iluka and Burns Beach. We talked about what it takes to be so successful for so long and what keeps him with the same agency in a time when many agents are making moves. Todd, welcome to The Crunch. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Jess. Thanks for having me on this beautiful spring day. I know, what a day. The first real spring day we've had, luckily. Um, So to kick things off, I kind of ask everyone this, all, all the agents that come in, is how did you get started in real estate? Oh, it's a long story, but I was at a landscaping business and I used to mow lawns and do landscaping and stuff like that. And a mate of mine, can I say people's names? Yeah. Yeah, a real good mate of mine, Shane Penny. He, um, he used to mow lawns and that as well. And we'd help each other. Like if he was really busy, I'd help him and vice versa. And it was one February in... It was 1998, February 1998. We were home early because the mower blades had stuffed up again and we were just sitting around having a beer going, what are we doing? What are we actually doing? Yeah. And um, he goes, my dad owns a real estate company. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So we started talking and, um, you know, as you do when you're having a beer after work, one beer led to six, led to ten, and then all of a sudden by the end of the night we were doing real estate. So I did, I went and saw Dave Penny, that was his dad, um, in probably March the next month, and his dad said, are you going to do this course, you're going to do this, and you got to cut your hair and do all this sort of stuff. <laughs> And I said, okay, no worries. So he said, all right, this is what we're going to do. And, um, yeah, it was like I'd never looked back. Like as soon as I, I started, I was at, I remember sitting at this course, right, this Rewa course, and there was this guy called Bob Rossi and he'd just stand there and there'd be a class of 40 and he'd be, he'd be like looking around and he said, look, there's only going to be one, maybe two of you in real estate in a year's time and everyone would scoff and look around and go, how's this guy telling us this? This is so demoralising. That's That was the first introduction to the course and I actually did the course with a guy called Paul Tonich. How are you, Paul, if you're listening? <laughs> so we were the statistic, mate, because it was only us two left. Was it? Yeah, that was it. Well, I guess it's two pretty pretty good agents, you know, come out of there then. Oh, he's done amazing, that guy. Take my hat off to him. He's done exceptionally, exceptionally he good. So, he has. You yeah. haven't done too bad yourself, so. Had a good run, but yeah. So that, me, that was it. What, what clicked for you in that course? Because 1998 and that year you were Ray White's, Ray White's Rookie of the Year and you were Rewa's Runner-Up Rookie of the Year. Your first year? In the course, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so I had a good start. Like in the course, I was I was never really a student, although when I finished school, I did a diploma in accounting. That was probably more to appease my dad than anyone, but that helped me get organised. So I was, I was pretty organised. And from having a self-started landscaping business that I started up from scratch and ended up selling clients off when I got into real estate, I was 
I was pretty well drilled with my organisation skills, but in the course as such, I'd just sit and listen. Like when they brought in the agents to do their spill, I listened to them. And like anywhere you go, there's always negative people and positive people. So I just, I, I try to gravitate towards the positive side of things. So you could look around in the course and you could probably see who wasn't going to make it, you know, and some people didn't even finish the course. But I don't think anything dropped until I was probably six months in. And um, <laughs> so this guy, it's funny, like Dave Penny, I, I still phone him today. Like he he's my mentor. He's the man. He has done so many good things for me and um as as a bloke like he he's like a vault he knows like everything about me and he i suppose as a business owner he had a lot of skin in the game it was his it was his baby and he wanted that office at ray white would be able to really work and he trained Ben Bernanke, so Ben, mm-hmm. mate, take your hat off to Dave because uh, you know what he's done for you. And he, Dave Penny's trained a lot of good, good agents, but um, he was unreal. Like everything that I learned early in the piece was off Dave, and he was. You had to be there on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made you accountable. That's yeah. what he did. He made he made you accountable. Not not every week, but every day. Mm-hmm. And he broke the day down into before lunch and after lunch and evening. So he made you accountable three times during the day. Yeah, like he just he used to just sporadically say, "Come in here, young fella, and and open up your diary," you know. And let me see what you're doing. Yeah. And and as a trainer and a business owner and a mentor, he was gold because you were like, okay, if I haven't got a list of activities that I'm doing here, he's going to pull me up. Yeah. And I, and I didn't really know any different. And there was this cool guy called Les Caporn. He sold um, rural. He sold all that land up at Seaview Park in Lanceland. And then he'd get all the sub sales. So he'd get all the retirees. He'd get all the crew that would sell out of Greenwood and and all that and Kingsley and, and you know, go build their retirement dream up in um, Seaview Park. Did I say mm-hmm. sorry now? Seaview Park. So he was unreal. Like he would, um, he always thought there was going to be a bust in real estate and um, he had different analogies, but he, he would come up like this guy, Les Caporn, if you're having a bit of a funny day and you're looking a bit discouraged, he'd come up and sort of elbow you in the ribs at the photocopier and look you in the eye and say, oh, you look a bit lost there, son. <laughs> and he'd go, yeah, well, I haven't know. He'd, he'd listen to you and he goes, well, I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're lost... If you ever lost in the bush, mate, grab a spade, find the nearest paper bark tree, dig down, you'll find water, you'll be all right. <laughs> and he'd say shit like that to you. And you'd go, and I'd, I'm looking at him at the time going, what's he talking about? And 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 he'd be like, you'll, you'll always be lost, but you'll find your way out. Mm-hmm. And it's how you find your way out. So crew like that helped me. Like I, I was surrounded by really good people mm-hmm. early in the piece. Yeah. And that's what helped. 
So what made you move to Pierre in uh, 2004? Um, I, from Ray White, I went to another company, which was short term, but I just, I always wanted to sell on the coast, you know, mm. like that's where my heart was. And when I first started real estate, like they put me up to Wanneroo, they wanted market share up there, they wanted to open an office up there. And, and that was good to sink my teeth into. And still to this day, I have my past clients up there. But because I, I've always lived on the coast and even, you know, when I couldn't afford to purchase a home on the coast, I rented on the coast because I surf and, and swim and love it. Along there, I, I knew I wanted to be on the coast and, and that was the draw card mm-hmm. for Pied. And it was funny because I was going to go, I was going to go to Pied probably around 2002 um, when things were starting to change, when Dave's business was starting to change. Like I was probably at the tail end of his business, mm-hmm. at the tail end of his career, you know, like Dave's just had his 70th birthday now. So this was 20 years ago and, he's, and he would have been in the business for 20 years prior. So mm-hmm. um, he was starting to sort of wind it up and just take a different avenue. And... I, I thought I was actually not good enough to go to Pied earlier in the piece because I felt I went and I was a bit intimidated by the reps and their setup and they just had at that time just the one office at Hillary's and I, I just I did, didn't think I'd fit in. But this guy called Laurie Lawrence, how are you, Laurie? He's in America now. He's a classic. Talk about a unique human being. And... Um, he was on my case, like he'd um, he'd rock up to my home opens and he'd he'd blow wind up you pretty. He'd make you feel pretty good about yourself. He was one of those guys, fantastic salesman, and I used to tell him so many times how full of shit I reckon he was. But we we made a we had a great friendship, you know. He he built a house in Iluka. That's my patch, and. Um, we built a really, really good friendship, Laurie and I, from sort of 04 to 08 in, in that heyday period. You know, we were, everyone was making pretty good coin and we had some pretty good parties and, and events and, and stuff together. And it was, you know, we have he'd have dinner at our house and he'd invite me to his family home for dinner quite often. And he, um, and he had, he was like, probably Dave Penny 20 years prior, he had the invested interest in mm-hmm. the company. You know, it was his baby, Peard Lawrence, mm-hmm. it was called. And he just started that in 03. So he was pretty keen to rev it up. Mm-hmm. And and so was Pete, like Peter Peard. Like he was really keen to expand. He wanted he wanted the good reps there. He headhunted the good reps and if any work one were, everyone that knows it worked at, at there between 04 and 08, the, the team that we had there was was pretty cool. Yeah. Like everyone was on the same trip and um, it was pretty good. So he, oh, he was great. Um, he certainly helped my career immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, my figures went through the roof under Laurie's management and, and training and mentoring. Um, and, yeah, he got me into that next level where mm-hmm. I needed to go to. And so Pierre Lawrence became Pierre Junderup, which is where yeah. you still are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since you've been at Pierre, yep. you've been number one five times. Yeah. You've been runner-up yep. five times. 
and you've been third five times. Yeah, about, yeah, that'd be about right. So what do you think are the keys to that? That's a, that's a lot of success for a long time. It's a, um, it's a long haul. Like it's not, oh, so many fly-by-nighters in real estate and, and momentum's a big thing. It's, it's persistence. Like it's, um, like you know, when you're a kid and I always go back to my childhood and I had, I had an amazing, amazing childhood and, uh, When, I suppose when, I don't know, you're not, like as a kid, I had asthma and I wasn't the fastest and, you know, like, definitely wasn't the tallest and I wasn't the toughest, but I had, I don't know, I had a lot of friends Mm. and I used to mix it up with anyone. I used to think I could compete against anyone, although I wouldn't win. I always felt that although I wasn't the best, I could compete with the best, mm-hmm. you know. I always felt that and, and that made me do better. So when I got into real estate, all I did was not, you know, you look at the past to learn. So I'd like, okay, what did I do to, you know, looking back, what did I learn? So it was just about being persistent. So like cracking into any area when mm-hmm. I first started, like when I cracked into Wanneroo, I had to knock off guys like Jim Pace and Bob Holmes and Ann Heistick and Nick McLeod. And they were really well anchored mm-hmm. in the suburb and, and sold there for a long time. And when I cracked into Iluka, I had to knock off a guy called Steve Christie at Harbour, Steve Harbour himself, the whole of Pam Gray's office, a lady called Carol Athern that worked at Acton, she's still around. But, like, I had these goals. Like, my, my goal was to sort of systematically dismantle Pam Gray's office because they were so nasty to me. <laughs> like, the, they were horrendously nasty to me yeah, for, right. for one reason or another, and I was just trying to have a crack. And so what kept me going was to I, I wanted obviously to make money yeah and I wanted to look after those clients and I wanted to make a name for myself and do the right thing by people so when they went to sell again they'd come back to me mm-hmm. so my repeat business is massive and I knew I was going to hang around for a long time yeah and Perth's pretty small so you didn't want to burn crew yeah. on the way through yeah but it was just the persistence yes yeah like it was it was the persistence that you need to stay at the top of your game is, I don't know where you find it from some days, but I don't know, you've got to have, you've got to have a bit yeah. of mongrel in yeah. you. You've got to have a bit of mongrel in you to yeah. do this job, yeah. I think. And I think growing up in Greenwood, surrounded by other mongrels, <laughs> you, you, have, you get that in you, you know. And, and you know, my mum... And dad, you know, mum was they had pretty, oh, pretty average upbringing. So they did the best with us, and um, you know, they they always said, just uh, you know, don't give up, just keep trying. Yeah, I think that was it. Just keep trying. Yeah. 
So you said you knew you were going to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. Now it's been, you've averaged one sale a week yeah. for 19 years. Yeah. What keeps you motivated? Oh, debt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how can you not make money unless you're in debt, eh? Wow. Um, Keep it going. <laughs> bit of debt. Different things at different times. Yeah. Like different things at different stages. What motivated me now didn't motivate me back then because I didn't have what I do now. But mm. um, at the start, I had nothing. I had... Um, I was in debt when I started real estate, bit in debt, and I I think I earned twenty eight grand in my first year, and I owed my dad about ten or twelve grand, and he made me pay no matter what I got earned that I had to pay him. I was on a set payment just to pay my debt. I remember giving the last couple of grand to him. I, I've never borrowed a cent off him ever again, <laughs> which is a good feeling. But so at the start, I really just wanted to succeed and do well. And I had some financial goals that I wanted to do, and and now it's um, I think my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably probably my kids. Like you want to um, I don't know how do I say it without being too emotional. You want to set an example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think it's about. Setting an example, because as a kid, you look back and you and you look what, who you looked up to, and what made you, what drove you as a kid, and what you wanted to be like, and then you sort of moulded yourself around those people. And I just wanted to set a good, a good work ethic, yeah, for my kids, so yeah. they go, because obviously it's easy to spoil them with yeah. what you got now and and all that, but like my old man would. Before I get a lift to the beach, he'd make me pull a bucket of weeds mm-hmm. or rip out the buffalo edges and scrape your knuckles along the curb, you know. And yeah. and just as a as a ten or twelve year old doing all those chores back then, I suppose because I've worked for as a young age, you yeah, know, doing the milk run and pushing trolleys and all that from a very young age. But I just want to set a an example, and. Um, what keeps me most motivated is I actually like it. Yeah. I really, really like it. Like I like helping people mm-hmm. and I like moving them on, like getting them of late mm-hmm. out of shit, I guess. Yeah. Because a lot of people are in a bit of trouble and I, and, and to help them move on mm-hmm. and and free up their stress is, is a huge reward and you felt like you've done a good job. But to move them on, like I just listed a home and I've, I've sold their first home like 20 years ago. Yeah. And this is about the fifth home I'm going to sell for these people and I, and their kids are growing up and you felt like you've been a process of their life. And, and I love that feeling. Yeah. It's really cool. It's yeah. quite unique. Yeah. It's quite unique. Yeah. And it's a... It's a I go on feeling, so um, it is a good feeling. Yeah. How long has Danny worked with you? Danielle started in 2002 and she sold three houses in her first month. <laughs> so <laughs> With she, you? Not on her own. She listed, I think she listed five or six and rolled three. Everyone was like, whoa, she was on. So, so did you guys meet through real estate? Yeah, I sold her a house. Did you? I sold her a house in 1998. One of my first sales. Yeah. Long right. story. Oh my God, oh yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, 
She, so yeah, so she started in 202 and when we got to Peard, she still did her own thing in 04 and 05 and then we started to team up a little bit mm-hmm. and then um, she fell pregnant in 07 with our daughter at late, late 07 mm-hmm. and then pretty much as the team thing, like we worked together back then but we used to have this little competition she's pretty competitive and we'd be like okay whoever lists it yeah gets the claim it we'll try we'll sell we'll both sell but yeah. whoever lists it gets their name on the listing yeah and that's how i used to do it okay. so we'd sort of compete for the listings in the same patch in a way yeah that would yeah that worked pretty well but now having kids the dynamics a bit different yeah um but yeah so we've been since sort of 2012, so 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, we've been like marketing as a team. I yeah, guess. right. How do you split the work now? It... Mm. She does everything. No, um, <laughs> you surf? Yeah. She works. I surf, she works. No, <laughs> she, um, far out, she's so organised and so smart. She does, um, she'll sort out most issues. I, I, um, I, I go out and get business. Mm-hmm. That I go out and get it, mm-hmm. and then we both sell it. Yeah, that's how we do it. Like we'll s- still sort out everything in between, but that's how we roll it. Okay. So, although she still lists her own stuff as well, um, majority of it, like my my name and face and and all that's on everything. Yeah. Um, so I get the to claim it with the head swell, but. It's um, it's her smashing away in the background. Yeah, probably without the recognition that she deserves in the industry because no one really probably knows how we actually do it in detail. Yeah, which um, obviously is our sort of business plan. But yeah, that basically that's how we run it. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you prefer to list or sell, but you've kind of just answered my question. Yeah, well, both. Both. Yeah. I think, like, you got to list the right stock, right? Yeah. Like, anyone can go out and throw a cheap fee out there and overprice something and, and list a lemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, like, they can. They can do that. But I, I like to – I get a real good buzz – of when there's a bit of competition for the listing and it's the right listing at the right price with the right fee and the right marketing and the seller that you just gel with. Because mm-hmm. you try to gel with everyone more, you know. And I think when you're selling it, it's just a great buzz. Because you've got a real stoked buyer and a real stoked seller. Mm-hmm. So I, it's probably equal, yeah. I reckon. It's yeah. probably equal. What do you think when there is a bit of competition? You, you're dominating your area, Aloka Burns Beach. Yeah. What do you think it is that you're doing differently to competition up there? Um, I think it's just about getting on their trip, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Getting on the getting on the person's trip, and it's easy. It's so easy to 
spit the dummy and walk out and 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 not get it on your terms and and that. But you got to like in different climates, you got to you got to act differently. But it's all about getting on someone's trip. Like I got to be able to walk in here and know what you do and and get on your plane. I got to be able to walk into it, you know, mining CEOs house and, and get on his trip. I've got to be able to walk into a school teacher's house and get on their trip. I've got to be able to walk into a police officer's place. I've got to be able to walk into a carpenter's house. I've got to be able to walk into a, you know, a guy that manufactures doors in Wangara and get on his trip. And, and it's just about that, I yeah. think. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. I think that's, um, it's not, it's not putting on a show or being false. Like you got to be, you got to be real. Like mm. there's enough. I think there's enough ammunition out there in the marketplace for a potential seller to have chosen their agent before you even step foot in the door. Yeah, and it's just that meeting that will confirm it. Yeah, and then it's the fees. Yeah. It's always the fees. And the, yeah. Like, you know, if someone's going to save a couple of grand, they sort of get swayed. But I would say, and and nothing detrimental to my competition, but probably my brutal honesty. Yeah. Because that's why I've been brought up. Yeah. My, my, just to say it how it is. And, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's probably a negative for some. For yeah. some, yeah, because people want it a little bit cushioned and a little bit sugar coated and a little bit, you know, warm fuzzy, and, yeah. and but that doesn't sell property, you know. Mm. And um, I think although they'll respect you for your honesty, you may not get the business. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, you're not going to win them all. No, but you can't win I, them all. You can't win them all, and um, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Do you think the getting on their trip thing is something that you have is a na- it's a natural thing that you've you kind of have or you don't? It's more natural. Yeah. Yeah. Like as as a young kid, I I had a pretty long leash. Mm-hmm. Like I used to surf in a board running club and for some reason my folks would let me go away at the age of fourteen <laughs> with, you know, the board riding club, like the older guys, like the president of the board riding club or the older guys you take down south for the weekend. I had an older guy at Lance, one that took me under his wing, who was a bit of a town hero on the day, and I was allowed to start his house. So I was probably exposed to a bit of stuff most 14 and 15-year-olds wasn't. And, and But it made you, although I don't consider myself that mature, but I, 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 I think I figured out how it worked. Mm-hmm. Earlier than mm-hmm. most, mm-hmm. and it, and reading the play, yeah, you know that uh, EQ, that emotional intelligence, and and Danielle's EQ, like her emotional intelligence, is probably the highest of anyone that I've ever met or know. She is just that way inclined. It's not yeah. funny, but I, I think for me it was like reading the play early. Yeah, really, really early in the piece. Mm-hmm. And knowing what's going to, if something's not done here, what's going to happen there. Like yeah. that, being able to anticipate and predict has yeah. certainly helped. What do you think is something that you're not very good at? Oh, delegating. 
because I'm such a control freak. Yeah. You are. I can attest yeah. to that. Yeah, I am. I'm American. Well, you've my work you've done for me, all that work. But yeah, I'm just. I don't know. I like to. I'm a bit. Yeah, I'm. I'm too much of a control freak. And, Do you think that perf- has contributed to your success as well? Like? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. if I if I was half-assed and, bla- and blase about stuff, people would go, far out, he doesn't really care. Yeah. But I'm I'm like that because I'm passionate. I'm so passionate about things, you know. Yeah. Like I'm, and I like to do things once and do it right. Mm. I try not to analyse it too much because there's too many different ways to do do many different things. I just like to do it once, do it right, and move on. And Tick it off and thing. go bang. Yeah. So I hate going back over old ground and, and, and fixing things and going back over and over and over. Mm. I just like to do it once. Like the old man said, always used to say, do it once, do it right, son. <laughs> yeah. Do it once, do it right. And that was it. And that's, you know, it's, it's ingrained in your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned before you, you, you know, the way the market is at the moment, a lot of the time you walk into a listing and people would have already chosen their agent. Yeah. How often does that happen and what do you kind of, if it's not you yeah. and you know it and yeah. you read the plan, you know it, what yeah. do you do to... I got a classic, had one last week. Yeah. They might be listing, they might not be. <laughs> I actually sold their last home. Yeah. Uh, the last home I sold for them was in Ocean Reef. Mm-hmm. They called me into their property on Shoalwater Parkway in Iluka, if you're listing. <laughs> um, and I just, I and I, and I said, where's the wife? Oh, she couldn't make it. So I just knew that they weren't giving me the business. Yeah. Because... The wife was making a decision from dealing with them last time. Mm-hmm. She was definitely making a decision. She yeah. wasn't there. Um, they'd already listed it with another agent beforehand mm-hmm. and didn't call me in first time around. So this time they were calling in everyone. They called in five agents. Yeah. And I actually had a buy for it. I genuinely had a buy. Yeah. So I rang them just to test them and I said, can't say their names, but I said, I've got, I've got a buyer, whilst you're deciding on listing with who you're going to list with, will you give me a seven-day listing to get this buyer? And I sort of had a backup buyer. Mm-hmm. And any seller that was genuinely considering using your services and hadn't appointed an agent because they were doing a couple of bits and pieces, which is fair enough because they wanted to have it look good, any genuine seller I've done that with in the past would say, sure, no problem. Mm. Why wouldn't you? Well, if you want to sell your home. It's not going to cost you anything. Yeah. Even And if I sell it, I couldn't work somebody on the fee, don't pay any marketing, give mm. me a seven-day list just to test them. And they said no. Mm-hmm. And then they continue to push price with me and suck more information from you and all that sort of stuff. They yeah. Do. So that... Is where you just read the plan and you, and you definitely know. But I had to go that extra one step so I could say, yeah, definitely getting used up. Yeah. Do you think that that has increased more with social media, rate my agent, all of those things? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, I think, and I'm not, I think it, it's got to a point where they're a bit confused because mm. there's so many avenues yeah to look at to analyze to choose an agent like that's what i was talking about 
briefly about overanalyzing things. Yeah. Like you can dissect it to death. Mm-hmm. But then it's got to work for you, Jess. Like you've got to be able to, no one's going to give you the keys to their house mm-hmm. unless they like you. Yeah. Right? I'm going to yeah. give you the keys to my house. I've got to at least like you. Yeah. You, you, might, you might be the best agent in the world, but I've still got to like you. Mm-hmm. Like I get home and I'll say to Danielle, I didn't get that listing and she said, what were the fees, what the price? I said, all, all the same within a few grand. And she'll turn around and she'll go, oh, they didn't like you. <laughs> What's for dinner? <laughs> and you have a laugh because that's, that's what it is, right? Yeah. Like yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. You, you lose listings all the time because people don't like you. Yeah. Have you changed anything about the way you work? Yeah. Now yeah. compared to before? Yeah. Yep. Just um, I'm so impatient, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. So I just try to be more patient. Yeah. That's what I've just tried to do because I try to let the energy of the universe take over a little bit and and go, you know, when you're forcing against, it's just. When you look back and yeah, you just pushed against all that energy. Mm. So I try to let that natural flow progress. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, like Dave Penny, it when I worked there, every listing was saleable. Yeah. Every listing, right? And it wasn't until years later he said to me, Oh, no, it's not, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's just some you can't sell. Yeah. You know? So but I was conditioned that every listing was Saleable. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. And it's just accepting that. Mm-hmm. And you don't accept that until you learn and experience and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You know. And so it's probably it's probably that. It's probably just being more accepting. What's been your hardest time in real estate? Oh every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> I don't know. I don't wake up any days and go, oh, this is gonna be easy. Yeah. <laughs> but I reckon my hardest time was 08, definitely. Like when my daughter Rose was born, 14th of December 2007, and obviously the lead up to that, Daniel had stopped, GIFs, and, and the market turned off. I remember standing in Home Opens in Iluca in October 07 after the grand final, and it was like someone had turned the tap off. Mm-hmm. And Danielle had already stopped working. I was carrying all the stock. Um, and 08 is obviously when the GFC hit. But like WAC was still on its own there a little bit because we're okay compared to a lot of what happened around the world. But that 08, because every single year in real estate since I'd been in it pretty much had gone up yeah. every year, yeah. that was the big, like, oh, my God, it's turned off. What yeah. do we do? Panic. It was, uh, and and I didn't have the experience probably to deal with it. Yeah, because you'd only been in an up market. Yeah, I've only been in an up market for ten years. Yeah, but now the last ten years, it's been a downturn. So yeah. I know what to do now. Yeah, but that oh8 not like it's funny, like not having your buddy with you because mm-hmm. she's my buddy. Yeah, not being in the trenches with your buddy. With someone. Yeah, doing it on your own. Yeah. Having a young child, which was new to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and being the selfish person that I am, you know, I was soon, you know, this Les Capon guy, mm-hmm. 
He, um, there was another guy called Dita Banasevich, absolute gold, real like mentor. He is just one of those guys that he's a vault. He knows so much about me and he gave me so much help and advice. And when he said, when Danielle fell pregnant and he said, because he was a licensee at the time, and he goes, oh, you got a dog? I said, I said, yeah. He goes, oh, he goes, you got, you got goldfish? <laughs> I said, oh, we got fish. We had cichlids. We had a fish tank. He goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, you got cockroaches? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, well, get behind all of them because you're nothing now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so true. Like, yeah, the, like you just the pegs you drop down when you have your first child. Yeah. Is just like nothing you could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and and all of a sudden it's all about this little person. Yeah. So although it was hard, I got to come home to that. Yeah. You know, and that was my rescue. Yeah. And that's what got me through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's the biggest thing you've learned or changed maybe in the last, you know, in, in a tough market? Um. Just to stay, to not get upset, I guess. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. try and just to just just to work through it, because everyone's bleeding. Everyone has been bleeding really hard. Like there's been some massive, massive financial stress on yeah. people, and then obviously that leads to marriage splits and you know family breakups and all the rest of it. And you, and you become part of that. So when you when you're in because you live your life in other people's homes and when you're in with them, you're in the trench with them and it's like just they're coming to you mm-hmm. to not to save them but to help them. Yeah. And they're looking for guidance. Take some of the burden. And you've got to you got to wear it. You've got to be yeah. prepared to wear it with them. Yeah. If you can't wear it with them and it's like it, it it's be, become more involved with them mm-hmm. because you have to to get through these difficult times with them. Yeah. You can't, it's it's not like a job where you can just click off at five or six o'clock. You're wearing it with them. Yeah. So it's learning to wear that with them. And it's freaking exhausting. Like I'm quite exhausted at the moment as I'm speaking to you here. It's been pretty hard last six months. But it's it's taking that on board with them, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. In... Um in a, in a tough market, I guess even in a good market, but in a tough market, and we've seen, you know, in the last few years, agents tend to move around a little bit more. Yeah. What, um, you've been with Peard for 14 years now. Yeah. So what, what's kept you there? Heaps of things. The structure, the, um, the environment, the leadership, the, I'm not big on change. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that saying, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Because mm-hmm. I've seen so many crew jump ship and do this and do that, and you still do the good figures. Like everyone that jumps ship always has a good run when they start because they've got re enthusiastic and you know mm-hmm. they're recharged and all that, but then they just go back into their normal pattern. Routine. So yeah. I think, and I'm, I'd like to say I'm pretty loyal. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Peter Pitt's given me. A lot of stuff, 
And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking materialistic things. He has. He's sent me on trips. He's given me this. He's given me that. He's let me stay at his house. He's given me a lot of stuff, right? Mm. And I'm not one just to burn him and go, "I'll catch you later when times are tough." Yeah, I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't sit good with me if someone did that to me. And there's no reason to to leave with. I, I think people have left, but I don't think. The reasons haven't been that great. It's always grass is always greener. Yeah. On the other side, you know that old saying. Like my mum used to say, she like, you know, um, what is it? Um, love many, trust few, but always paddle <laughs> your own canoe. <laughs> I've never heard that love many, I, And you know what? I saw it on Instagram. Matt Hoy, the surfer, posted it the other day. But it reminded me. Mum always used to say that. Love many, trust few, but always paddle your own canoe. And that's what it is. Yeah. That's. I think that's what life's about is if it's going to be, it's up to me. Mm-hmm. No, no one's going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. People will help you. People will encourage you. Surround yourself with good people and they'll bring you up to your best. But at the end of the day, you know, it's really up to you. Yeah. So I think, yeah, just I like the company. It's good. It's good. It's massive. Like we're right up there at the, at the peak of the industry with everything that the company wins and, the, the, you know, the stuff that they do for the community with Telethon and the donations and the fundraising and they give a lot back. Yeah. Like it's massive. They don't just, you know... Like, yeah, that's not take, take, take. There's plenty of give there. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. plenty of give there. So it's good. Yeah. On the if it's going to be, it's up to me, is that yeah. what you said? If, if it's, it's going to be, it's up, up to me. me. Why do you think people fail in real estate? Um, Why I, do you think you and Paul Tonnage are the only two out of your... Uh, <laughs> you know, because not many people do make it. Well, There's lots that don't. We both don't like losing. <laughs> That's for sure. We're both persistent. And we're, you got to make yourself, we're accountable. Mm. you got to make yourself accountable. You know real estate, right? You sell social media. you got a product to sell. Mm-hmm. You don't have a product in real estate. Yeah. You are the product. Yeah. Once you've got the product and you know, like social media, you price it re- correct, it'll sell itself. Mm. It's the same drill. And that's what people miss. People think they can come out of cars, come out of working for Coke, come out of selling steel for BHP and come into real estate and think they can sell. Yeah. But you're selling yourself to get the product. Yeah. That's what people miss. Yeah. That's the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then the penny drops and they like, I've actually got to sell myself here because yeah. no one's going to give me the keys to their house unless they like me. Yeah. And that's it. And then it's working the product to position it to sell. Yeah. And it's, and it's a bit of an art to it, but the principles on every sale is the same. But they, they fail because they don't get it. They can't get on people's trip mm-hmm. and they just don't want to work. Yeah. Like the, the it, it's hard but it's not. Yeah. Like there's a lot of hours and a lot of energy goes into it. 
But the process, it's not that hard. Yeah. I don't think it's that hard. People make it hard because mm-hmm. they confuse it. But I think, yeah, you've got to really want it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't really want it. Mm-hmm. They just want to cruise. Yeah. That's, I don't think it's an industry where you can just cruise. Yeah. So final word from, from Todd Utley. What, what would be your one piece of advice to people starting out in the industry? Or people who are battling and... Just live, eat and breathe and bleed it. Yeah. Because you have to, because it's part of your life. Yep. Don't even... Like, I think I'd worked a year and a half without having a day off when I first started. Mm-hmm. I was still doing some landscaping and stuff to keep going to get some money in. But I think if you're first starting, work every day for 365 days. Yeah. Or, you know, within reason. Have Christmas. 64. Have Christmas, birthday, news, Easter Sunday, stuff like that off. But I would say go hammer and tong for one year, Mm -hmm. do every single piece of prospecting that there is available, not just one, every single piece. Mm -hmm. Block out your diary every day, the night before, the week before, so you know where you're going every single day. And just don't give up. That's it. Don't give up. (laughs) Beautiful. That's it. Thanks. Thanks so much, Todd. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into The Crunch. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. So if you'd like to share them, please email me at jess at cribcreative.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe if you enjoyed the show and share it with anyone else you think might like it.